Father God, we come before you now, Lord, and thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that, that you've given us your word. You've given it, Lord, to, for us to study. Lord, you've given it, Lord, so that we may know you more, Lord, that you may speak to us directly via your word, Lord. So we, we thank you, Lord, for this great gift that you've given to us. And so, Lord, we pray now as we come to hear your word, Lord, that you would indeed bless us, Lord, that you would build us up, that you would encourage us, Lord. You would have us hear what we need to hear this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we read uh, just a few moments ago um, 16 verses from Hebrews chapter 11, um, a, a great chapter which I'm sure um, those of us who are Bible readers, those of us who are Christians, we know this chapter very, very well, this, chapter, this great chapter on faith. And I could really have read the whole chapter as it reels off by faith and tells us of the people who have gone before and the faith that they had, but I felt I needed to have a, a cut-off point somewhere and reading the whole chapter wasn't quite relevant. But um, we know that as that chapter goes through, it speaks of um, the many people who have gone before uh, and, and the, the, the witness they had. And indeed, chapter 12 starts off with, indeed, as we have such a great cloud of witnesses, all which have gone before us, all which share in that faith and that hope. And that's our message this evening, and that's what I'll try and convey uh, briefly this evening, the Christian hope, that which we see, which is displayed in this passage, the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that we have in God, the hope that the Christian has in him. We live in a world, do we not, that relies on and needs hope. This world needs hope in all various different directions and everybody who no matter who they are whether they're a Christian whether they're not a Christian whether they belong to any other kind of faith everyone needs and wants and clambers after hope the world is always after hope although albeit that hope is often as we see in the worldly hope is often misplaced it's a necessity for all human life to have hope. Very often in the world, and we too as well, we can get drawn in and sucked into hoping for things that, in the grand scheme of things, don't really matter that much at all. How often do we say things like, well, we hope it doesn't rain Tomorrow we've got something planned, we're going away or we're doing something. I hope that it doesn't rain, we hope it stays dry. Some of us, not me because I'm not interested, but some of us say we hope our football teams win the match tomorrow. That's a great hope that's placed by many, many people. I don't get it personally, but there we are. People hope that their favourite football team is going to win that match. And some people, and I know I have family members um, who put great... Um, that's their life. Football is their life. And if Liverpool doesn't win, then it's, well, it's tears and it's whatever it is. But there we are. Some of us, and this is more me, some of us hope that when I have that peckish for that favourite chocolate bar I want, that when I nip down to the shop that they've got that chocolate bar that I want. Or we hope that that delivery that we put in on Amazon comes tomorrow as expected. We all fall into some of these 
silly um, things that don't matter in grand scheme of things in our lives, these little hopes that we have. But yet there are more important hopes, and we have those as well, and the world too has those kind of important hopes that, are, that do mean a lot to us. Many have hoped that they would find that wife or a husband that they're longing for. Some of us may hope that our children or our grandchildren, that they do well in school, that they, they make plenty of friends, that they, they're not picked on and that they're popular. Some of us, and in the world today, one of the biggest hopes is that they can afford to pay their utility bills, that they can afford to meet their cost of living in crisis, hoping that the government might do something to help reduce the cost of living and reduce the bills. These are real hopes, and the list can go on, and, and some of the bigger hopes that people have and things that are really important to them. And some of these things are important, real hopes, real dreams. And often a lot of these hopes are hopes that will stop our fears becoming reality. So if the government actually will do something to stop the rising bills, that stops a fear that we're not going to be able to afford to pay them in winter and, and all the things that will come from that. Our country, the world, really is looking for hope right now, more than I've actually ever seen it in my lifetime. I know there's people here older than me, but uh, the hope that people are, um, and I see it all the time in my work, both with colleagues and the people I see at work, the fear that they've got of what's happening in the world through, um, as I said, the cost of living, the utility bill, but also the uncertainty of what's happening in things around us, the wars that we see and how that impacts on us. People have real fears. And in those fears, they hope that something can be done about it. Some push those hopes under the carpet until it becomes a big pile and they trip over it. But everyone has hopes. One thing we know, and we know as Christians this, the world doesn't know this. Some may, but we definitely as Christians know that we can't put our hope in the government. We cannot put our hope in the government. We cannot put our hope in the banks or even the doctors, as good as they are. They cannot do what the world is expecting them to do. But for Christians... And also the world, if their eyes were to be revealed of who the Christ is, there really is only one hope. And that is the Christian hope. And this is the, the message that I wanted to try and look through tonight as we looked at just, just a couple of verses from this great passage of Hebrews. This that talks about faith, but in the beginning talks about our hope. So we're going to look at the Christian hope. And just to, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking back and things were coming into my mind. And I was remembering about David. When David faced Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, and he was, Goliath was coming, all the other people in the armies were all afraid of him. And David says, I'll do it. I'll go and face this giant. I'll go and do it. And he had faith. And this is what he said, and you'll know and remember this. He said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. 
David also writes in Psalm 20 and verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. David knew exactly where to place his trust and in his hope. He didn't trust in the the weapons and the swords and the things that were given him as he went out to fight the the Philistine Goliath who was taunting and threatening day after day, who was driving the Israelites into despair. But David, he didn't trust in the weaponry. He trusted in the name of the Lord his God. He trusted in his God. So in a world today where we see panic, where we see collapse, where we see uncertainty, we can say some trust in government, some trust in the banks, some trust in doctors. But our hope, the Christian hope, is in Christ and in Christ alone. So let us just take a look at this hope that we have, this Christian hope. In Hebrews 11 verse 1 it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now what I want to attempt to do this evening is to break this down to understand a little bit more the Christian hope. Now maybe we understand the Christian hope. And I always um, think sometimes as Christians we could be guilty of thinking we, we know this passage, we know what what this means, but... Um, when we think like that, sometimes perhaps we don't actually really know what it means because we always learn something new from what God has to say from his word. So the writer of the Hebrews is giving us an insight into what our hope is and that our hope comes by faith. The writer starts by telling us about faith. And then he gives us wonderful examples that we're, we've gone through, as we read it earlier, that those who have gone before us, those who have lived by faith in how, when God called them out, he talks about Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Enoch and various other people who it says in each one, it says, by faith, by faith when God called them, by faith when God instructed them, by faith when God had something for them to do, something that was out of the ordinary, something within the world looking on. When the people saw Noah, building an ark when there's no water, there's no rain. People looking on and thinking, what is that fool doing? Noah knew in his heart what God had instructed him to do. And by faith, he did it. And by faith, he and his household, as we know, were saved on that ark. And so he goes through a list and that's where he continues on throughout the rest of beyond chapters, beyond verse 16, sorry, of all those people who have gone before, who lived by faith. And as I said earlier, he then bursts into chapter 12 and talks about that great cloud of witnesses that surround us, people who have gone before us. And what a wonderful thing that is, especially with this morning, um, uh, as we remembered the, the Remembrance Day service, as we, as we look back worldly, as we look back at those who've gone before us, who have fought wars so that we have the freedoms in our country. We remembered that today, and rightly so that we are here because of what people have done who have gone before us. But here is a greater cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, who by faith have obtained things for God, who by faith have laid the foundations and that we can then walk in their footsteps. And we too can live by hope and live by faith. 
So verse 1, it tells us that faith is the substance. I had a look at what substance means in the dictionary, just not because I didn't really know, but to have a look at how it defines it in the dictionary, because I think uh, using a dictionary is a lost art these days. Some, some of the young ones don't know what a dictionary is, I'm sure. Um, but I looked up in the dictionary, and it has various renders of the word, but then it said this, substantial, solid in character and quality. The word comes from the same Greek word meaning immense. And confidence is used in verse 3, Hebrews 3, verse 14. For we have been partakers of Christ if we hold to the beginning of our confidence, steadfast to the end. So that word there is used for confidence. So the substance, it says, of our faith is an absolute solid confidence and conviction that we know that we know that Christ is our God, that he is Lord, that we know it with a deep conviction, we know it within us, that it's not something that we can always describe to our family members or to unbelievers or those who ask, what is your faith, what, what is it that, that you hold on to? It's not something that we can always easily describe to an unbeliever. But we have this faith within us and we know that it is strong that it is confident, that it is full of joy and assurance. But a confidence and a solid conviction of what? The writer of Hebrews goes on to tell us, it says, of things hoped for. So now we see the picture starting to take a little bit more shape. Our faith is the substance, the solid conviction and confidence in the things hoped for. And remember, we're dealing here with the Christian hope, not those little hopes that we have in life, but the Christian hope. Our hope is a God-given assurance of the present and of our future reality. That's our hope. That's what God has set within us. That's our faith. That's the substance of what we hope for. I just want to read a couple of verses from other parts of scripture. So Romans 5 and verses 1 to 2. To forgive me, I'm struggling to turn the pages today. I've had a little accident yesterday that's uh, causing me to struggle to pull the pages over. Hebrews 5 and verses 1 to 2. And I can get there. Okay, therefore... It says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into the, this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but that we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. We flip over a couple of pages in Romans 7. Some wonderful passages of scripture, Romans 7 and verse 15. And this is Paul speaking. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, 
but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil I will not do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that is that, that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh of the law of sin. A couple of passages there that speak um, of the pictures of what we hope for, the glory of what what God is doing in our lives. And particularly um, in that passage of Romans 7 and verses, I read verses 15 to 25, which Paul speaks of that warring that goes within him. He knows that there are things, he says, there are things that he wants to do that he does not do. The good that he wants to do, he does not do. And the, the evil and the wrong that he he doesn't want to do, that is what he does. And then at the end of that passage, that wonderful thing, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me? Who will save me? And he says, thank God, through Christ, he will. And that's why I read that passage, because that is what is part of our Christian hope. Can we not identify with Paul? Can we not say that those things sometimes, those things that we don't want to do, those things that we know are displeasing to God, those things that that sin, which is that fleshly part of us, those that we don't want to do, sometimes we do them. And that good that we want to do, that thing that we want to do, we don't do. But we like Paul, that Christian hope, that solid, that firm foundation, that strong confidence, that full of joy and assurity, we can say, who will save me? Thank God that he will. That's the assurance that we have. And that present and that futurality that God can help us here and now, that we know that um, he can help us here, that, that he has given us all that we need for life and godliness. So he's not leaving everything to a future hope. Yes, it's part of what um, the writer of Hebrews talks about is that which we hope for when we reach that day, when we come into glory, when that hymn says, when we cast our crowns before him, lost in wonder, love and praise. That's our future hope. That's our future Christian hope. But we have a hope that is for the here and now, that Christ is within us, that Christ is present, that he is part and parcel of our lives, that we know with full assurance that we can trust him. What a great and glorious picture that is building up of this Christian hope, that hope that we all have when we call upon the name of the Lord, that he gives us, that hope which is by faith. So our faith is the substance, the solid conviction and confidence of things hoped for, and it is evidence, the writer said, it is evidence, evidence of the things not seen. In Ephesians, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, it tells us um, that faith is not of ourselves. It tells us that it is not of ourselves, that's anyone both. It is the gift of God. And so we see that this faith is not of ourselves. We've not, we've not created it. 
we've not conjured it up. It's not something that we can just, you know, where if you've ever had the displeasure of watching any of those things on the God channel and these faith healers and they say, you could conjure up your faith. You know, if you're not, you're not healed because you haven't got faith, we cannot conjure up faith. We haven't seen it. We've not seen anything that we might claim the evidence. No, it's unseen, but it is the gift of God. You see, we have this great hope which says, which is a firm, solid conviction and confidence in Christ and all that he has done for us through the cross. And yet, it is unseen, a gift of God. Were any of us there to see the cross? None of us saw the cross physically. And yet with the gift of God, he's given us the eyes of faith to see Jesus on the cross and that which he did for us to purchase our salvation. God has given us his word. He has declared to us the mystery of salvation. He has spoken to us of Christ and his works. That's how we see it. We didn't see it physically, but by God and the gift of faith and the gift of his word, he has opened up our eyes to see that which Christ has done for us. He has declared his love for us, his grace and his mercy for us. He has declared that through the cross of Christ, our sins are forgiven and we are washed clean by the blood of Christ. That's what we see by the eyes of faith. He has declared all this to us and more. And yet we've never seen any of these things with our physical eyes. Have we ever seen God? We've never seen God. Have we seen and witnessed the risen Christ? Mary and the disciples and those early Christians, they saw the risen Christ. Have we seen the risen Christ? We haven't. Have we ever seen the Holy Spirit? No, we haven't. And again, we've never seen Christ on the cross. We've never seen these things. And yet we know it. We know that it's true. We know that God exists. We know that Christ exists. We know that the Holy Spirit exists. We know that the cross existed. We know that Christ died on the cross for our sins to purchase our salvation. We know he made that sacrifice. But we didn't see him on the cross. And yet we know it. We believe it. We trust in it and we hope in it. Why? Because it is the gift of God and he has opened up our eyes that we may know it and that we may understand it. Yes, we may not fully understand it all on this side of heaven, but he's given us an understanding of what he has done for us, that we know that we know. There's a song that I heard a few years ago, I can't remember what it was by, um, a young lady, and it was called, I Know That My Redeemer Lives. And uh, in the verse, she repeats it over and over again. I know, I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. That's the hope and the confidence and the assurance. We too, like that song, we can say, we know that we know that we know that we believe it, that we know it, that we trust in it, that we hope in it. Why? Because it is the gift of God and he has opened up our eyes and he's given us this hope of our salvation. This is the Christian hope. It's all the gift of God. 
and our faith is the substance, the solid conviction and confidence and knowledge that Christ is our hope, Christ is our confidence, Christ is our salvation. It is indeed in Christ alone that we find our hope. And strangely, as I prepared this sermon for us tonight, our church, Raksha Ryan, has decided to do a series on the Heidelberg Catechism, which starts, what is our hope in life and death? It is indeed Christ alone. And that is our hope. What is our hope in life and death? It is in Christ alone. That we know that we know that it is by faith the gift of God that he has opened up our eyes that we may know this wonderful mystery of the gospel. And what do we do with that hope and that which we've been given, as our eyes have been given? Do we keep that to ourselves? Do we discuss it amongst ourselves, this hope and this wonderful gift that we've got? No. We are duty-bound to share. And really, when we're Christian, it's not really a duty. We cannot help but to share this gospel with others. Paul says it, doesn't he? I cannot help but speak of Christ. When we have that hope in our lives, when we have that Christian hope, when we know that we have that firm and solid substance, that conviction, that confidence and knowledge of Christ, we're not duty-bound to share. We cannot help but share. Because all around us, I'm sure we don't have to look very far from our own families where we see people who are living in lives that are hopeless, who are living in despair, who do not know where the next energy bill is going to be paid, who do not know and have that confidence, who are running around as, what's the saying, running around as headless chickens. We've probably all got family members who do not know Christ who do not have and know this hope that we have. They don't understand it. And as I said, sometimes we don't know always how to express it to them. But we live out our faith, we live out our hope before them. We tell of the hope of Christ. And we believe, or we hope we believe, that as we have that full assurance, as we have that full confidence and knowledge ourselves and full conviction of Christ ourselves that we know that we believe it that we trust it that we hope in it that in all those things we believe for ourselves about Christ that he can do the same for our family members for our neighbors for our work colleagues so when we're going out reaching in our village or wherever we might go that we believe that Christ can save today If we, like Paul, can say, oh, wretched man that I am. If God can save such wretched people as we are. Yes, I'm sorry, that's what we are. We're wretched people. We're wretched men and women. But God, he's plucked us out. He's pulled us out of the miry clay. He's set our feet upon a rock. He's declared to us this hope in our lives. He's given us this Christian hope. He's given us this gift of faith so that we know that we know that we know that we believe and trust in it. If you can do that for us, you can do it for anyone. And so we go away tonight, I hope, believing in Christ, in all that he has done, 
all that he will do for us, for our families and for our community. For it is our hope is in Christ alone. Amen.